0: Yes, I'd like to welcome you to the next episode of Crosscut Maker Radio. And I'm going to be beginning a new series on what I call eschatological estimations. And if you listened to my last podcast, then you know that I, I briefly, well, kind of semi-briefly addressed the COVID issue and and how a whole lot of things going on in the current world clearly seem to be pointing towards the end of the age. And uh, and I explained in that podcast that I, if you've ever listened to anything I've ever done or read anything I've written, that I do deal with eschatology quite a bit, but I, I, I really shy away from uh, looking at the news and trying to, address certain issues as being fulfilled prophecies or setting the stage or anything else because a lot of people out there who who have the proper premillennial eschatology, but they just really, really overdo it, in my opinion, and they're almost uh, borderline neurotic into how just everything seems extreme. So I just always shied away from that. But honestly, now, um, as I addressed in the last podcast, I believe it's appropriate now to look at the world and specifically to look at certain... Biblical signs, and we mentioned those a lot last on that podcast, um, including the main ones that there are the biblical signs that you'd look for for the stage setting for the tribulation period. And one, obviously, is Israel has to be a nation, and they have been. Um, Israel seeking peace, because there's a peace agreement that triggers the tribulation period. Israel seeking their third temple, because the third temple is part of that. And uh, there's other ones... Um, also syria russia and iran are north of israel now and they are a a big coalitional part of the ezekiel 38 prophetic end times war um i feel like oh and also the there's a massive ecumenical desire for a one world religion seems to be being led by pope francis and so those are those are actual necessities that are part of the book of revelation and those things have to be in place so before 1948, before Israel was a nation, you had all kinds of catastrophic, catastrophic events. You had world wars, you had earthquakes, you had all kinds of things that happened. But the, the big difference now, where people are, are, who are biblical and, and understand eschatology, is all of those things pre-Israel were almost meaningless eschatological because the tribulation period is about the purging of Israel. And so you knew until you had the nation of Israel you really could not have a setup for the end times. Now, of course, 1948 that changed, and then 1967 they took over Jerusalem, which is a, was a necessity also because they're going to have to have their temple in Jerusalem. And so there began a whole lot of people who understood scripture, looking around, and you know, and probably, in my opinion, a lot of times overreading every little thing that happens, and you know, playing pin the tail on the antichrist. Everybody who came to be. Uh, elected office, you, they were the next Antichrist, and so you always had to be careful. But like I said, legitimately now there is an environment that is absolutely perfect for the end times, and you know the things I mentioned there: Israel wanting peace, the Trump uh, deal of the century was released several months ago. Now, I, I'm, as I do this podcast, it's April third, two thousand twenty, and the whole world shut down from the, for the from the COVID nineteen virus. Which I'll probably address again on another podcast, and how that also is going to be setting the stage for some things. Um, but like I said, the, you know, the Israel wanting their temple; those things are necessities for the biblical end times. Um, and so, I, I'm not trying to overreact to this. Um, and like I said, I typically just preach the gospel that is that you know to an unbeliever I don't mention eschatology I don't say hey look around the world and but now it's it's so blatantly obvious that things are out of control things are have gone insane not just the COVID-19 that's just kind of the 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 biggest thing to happen in as long as I can remember it makes 9-11 look small by comparison the reaction to it um I mean, the world shut down. Every schools, businesses, everything shut down, and I never thought I'd see that day. Um, but even before that, I was already writing, and a lot of people were noticing. Again, speaking of the issues of Israel wanting peace, wanting the Third Temple, and you know, it seems just really, really incredible to think wow, we are really close to the culmination of the history of the world. Which, of course, the culminating event of everything is the return of Jesus Christ, and and that's the culmination of everything. But until that happens, we have you know the end times is a very difficult time. Very, di- I mean, it's called the tribulation period. It, Jesus says it's it's worst time in history. There will be no there would be the worst seven year period. In particular, the last three and a half years of of everything combined, it'll make the world wars, the Holocaust, all these events look. Very pale by comparison. It's going to be that horrible event, but the culmination of that is the return of Jesus Christ to set up His kingdom, which of course, for every believer, is the is the hope and joy of our lives as we're looking forward to seeing our Savior and seeing Him set up His world kingdom. So, but until that time, like I said, we we're looking around and people are actually asking the questions about end of the world tribulation period and so now i feel comfortable if not necessarily addressing these issues as they come along and so now what i've been doing i've been studying revelation for a long time and like i said and seeing these these actual visible signs like desire for a temple certain coalitions peace agreements and on and on the ecumenical movement now I, you know, I, I feel a little more comfortable going into the Book of Revelation and pulling out some of these things. And actually, my goal here is believing we're close enough is to plant some seeds. And you know, I, I'll at the end of the podcast, like I do every time, I'll I'll share the gospel. So salvation is by faith in Christ, and we'll we'll get to the gospel at the end of the show. But what i my goal here in these next, I don't know how many I'm going to do. Is to kind of paint a picture of what the tribulation period could be like, actually working itself out in current events, um, based upon the stage setting that's going on. And so today, I'm going to deal with a particular issue of exactly how does the Antichrist come to power? Because everybody understands that the you know, at least you know, biblically, the tribulation period kicks off it's a it's a seven year time period so a lot of people talk about the rapture and that's true and I, and that's another thing i will do eventually in the next probably month is actually do a a show on the rapture i typically shy away from that because again i you know it just seems to me that if you talk to an unbeliever and your, and your primary focus is about people disappearing i think it takes the focus off the, the the true necess- the need of the day and that is them to have their sins forgiven by faith in Christ. Uh, but like I said now with the stage setting going on, I believe this is an additional weapon that Christians can use to plant seeds. you know not just plant the seed of the gospel in somebody's heart and hey we hope everybody we want people to be saved now. but also I'm also trying to plant seeds for if we are as close as I believe we are, then people would hear this. And as these things flush themselves out in human events during the tribulation period, they would come to realize that the Bible is true and that Jesus Christ is Lord. So that's my goal of these next, I don't know how many I'm going to do. Like I said, I'm anticipating maybe five, um, dealing with just different particular issues. And again, I'm going to be doing speculation here. I'm going to be, uh, because I'm not doing exact biblical interpretation here, I'm, I'm going to do that first. But then I'm actually going to speculate on how that would possibly look in the current world environment that we have if the the tribulation period is something that is reasonably close. And so today I'm going to start with, again, dealing with how the Antichrist comes to power. And he is called the beast in the book of Revelation. And I'm going to deal with two verses today. And then I'm going to kind of, again, I'm going to speculate on how that could possibly look. In the current world that we have and we're dealing with Revelation chapter 17 verses 12 and 13 the ten horns which you saw are ten kings who have not yet received a kingdom but they receive authority as kings with the beast for one hour these have one purpose and they give their power and authority to the beast and so like I said a lot of people understand, you know, even non-Christians will understand they've heard of the character of the Antichrist and and especially as Christians you understand that he is the he will end up being the one world ruler. But it doesn't initially begin that way. It begins as we just read with a it it the it begins with a set of 10 world leaders uh, people. Now, will those be like Let's say the the tribulation period began real soon. Would those be current leaders of nations? And there would be ten, you know, the superpower or the biggest, most powerful nations would somehow take over the broad governing of the world. Or, in my opinion, it'll be more of a it'll be a regional thing. Okay, and here's here's what I've always, I've believed for quite a while now is that this is all going to source. In the United Nations And um, that's probably not a big bombshell to people who follow eschatology because obviously that's where the global governing system is right now of course they don't have authority in the sense of ruling over the United States or anything else there's there's obviously they all have contributions and there's there's papers, written documents, and they vote on them, and they have some kind of authority, but they're not—they don't have governing authority over the United States or or any particular nation. But it is the coalition of the world nations, and so I've always believed that, or I believe since I began to study eschatology, that this, this group of ten will be sourced in the United Nations. And that is to say that there, in, in my opinion, it will, it will either be, option A would be 10 current world leaders, presidents, prime ministers, who are, you know, and they're these 10 world leaders and they rule in a sense from their nation, but also over the entire world. But my idea that I believe more so, and this is speculation, is that the world will be divided up into 10 ruleable areas. Um, there will be a region here, a region here, a region here, a region here. It won't necessarily be nations. It might be a group of nations. group of nations is in region one. This group of nations, region two. This group of nations, region three. But it, in my opinion, it will be divided up into ten ruleable areas, and then you'll have ten world leaders put over them. And And, yes, I'd say likely they would be either current elected officials or or even previous elected officials that people still have admiration for, or uh, maybe even uh, religious leaders. Or, but I would tend to think that this, this group of ten will be political people. This is not going to be a religious thing. That's going to be a separate issue. Separate issue. Um, but I believe the, uh, the United Nations will divide the world up into ten rulable regions, likely a coalition of nations here, a coalition of nations here, but it will all be under one blanket authority. So it's not like you have now, like you have now, where you would have a, a national sovereignty, you, you, the, not ultimately, that you'd, you'd have probably some, but that would be subjected to this, this world-governing authority of the United Nations. And like I said, I believe there'll be either elected political officials now, or, or, just, or maybe even bring back some political leaders from recent times, um, or recent prime ministers, recent presidents, or whoever they may be but uh, people who have experience, obviously, in in managing political affairs. So you start with 10, as you see here in Revelation chapter 17, verse 12. And so you have these 10 horns and 10 kings, and there's more detail in Daniel 2 and other places about exactly how the Antichrist comes to culminate himself on top of these 10. But you see in verse 13 where they have one purpose, And 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 it also says that they only rule for a little while. And that's that's uh, Revelation 17, same chapter. Um, it goes into a little more detail. But it just says they rule for just a little, they have a very short time period. Their authority is, is seems to be very brief. And so my idea is that either right before the tribulation period or as the tribulation period begins, you have this ten world leader, ten ruleable regions kind of deal going on out of the United Nations. Um, the as uh, we talk about there's there's what's going on now currently if i'm correct about the timing of these things if we are near are these are birth pains they increase in intensity before the tribulation they are, obviously if you look around and pay attention to the news i mean just minus the fact that covid-19 has changed the entire world in a month but also you've had you have earthquakes just about every other day even even there was um Six point five one one in idaho yesterday and then two days before that there was a uh, oh i don't know salt lake city had one i don't know if that was a couple days before that or but we've had two or three significant earthquakes within a week in the united states alone which is very unusual and then of course there's a seven and a half over in russia and you have massive incur increases in earthquakes not to mention all the natural things going on the tornadoes and the fires and the and that's all I mean, the world already presumed and assumed that the world, it was out of control before COVID-19 came along. And it's just the capstone of this thing. And, and here's the thing about birth pangs, and I've said this to people. If I'm correct, if this actually is a buildup to the tribulation period, birth pangs do not decrease in intensity. They increase. Now, it's hard to fathom right now, considering, like I said, the world shut down from this uh, coronavirus, how the next one could be increased in intensity. But that's what birth pangs are. They increase, but the culminating, cataclysmic birth pang will be the rapture of the church. And just briefly, that is. You know, like I said, I'm going to plan on doing a, a entire either half hour to an hour show where I go into it scripturally, thoroughly, with the rapture because, like I said, a lot of you know just people tend to raise an eyebrow to the to the rapture. People flying away. People disappearing. And, um, and, but it's a biblical, it's a biblical concept. There is a, there is absolutely, it is absolutely taught in Scripture that there will be a rapture. Now, people argue about the timing and everything else. But in my opinion, you know, being somebody who believes it happens before the tribulation, it actually not only happens before the tribulation period, it triggers the tribulation period. So it's the culminating birth pang leading up to the tribulation period. Now, is that next? I have no idea. I, again, the calling dates, and here's a, a tip for anybody who is, Listening to people talk about end times, if somebody claims that they know the day of the rapture or the day of the return of Christ, you can immediately disqualify them and not listen to anything else. Anything else they have to say, because they're immediately a gross biblical disobedience to name to name a date to call a date. It's clear, crystal clear, scripturally, that no one knows the date of the of the rapture or the coming of Christ for His church, or even the second coming. And so, if anybody, if you listen to anybody, and they tell you, "Well, here, you know, it's going to happen this time," and so the scripturally disobedient to name to call it call for a date and to say, "Well, here's here's the date of Christ's return," but scripture also does suggest, and I don't know if I'd say command, but they, it, it suggests that we can know the season of his return. We can we cannot be caught in. By surprise, as believers, as you look to the to the precursor signs to the tribulation period, and that's kind of what I'm doing now. Is again, I'm not naming dates. Well, we'll not do that. I don't know how close we are. We could, and I mean this legitimately. We could be five minutes away, or we could be five millennia away. I I don't know that. I again, I can't possibly fathom how it can't be in the relatively near future, based upon the, thing, the way things are going and how they line up biblically. Uh, but again, I, I hesitate to even say the next year, the next month, the next two years, the next five years. I just believe we're close enough to where it is uh, incredibly, incredibly imminent. And that's why I'm doing these podcasts, because I believe these are, we're close enough to where these could be useful to people in the future, in the near future. So. Backing up again, that, that as these birth pangs increase, and we're at a pretty big one now, This the coronavirus is incredible uh, how, how this has shut down the world. And I like I said, I'll probably do another one specifically on COVID-19 in the future. But it's, the reaction to it has certainly been something that is unprecedented. Unprecedented to have governments, businesses, borders, airlines, everything shut down. Schools. You know, everything's a shutdown for this. I'm not saying it's the right thing. I'm not saying it's the wrong thing. Like I said, that's for another show. Um, But the reality is the world is incredibly different, and I don't know how I could ever come back from this when it comes to long-term stuff, on a human level at least. And so whatever's next and whatever's next, the culminating, and it could be next, or it could be a couple more birth pangs down the road, the culminating event will be the rapture of the church, and it will create an environment complete chaos anarchy and there, there will be uh, I mean the world will be in an incredible position and this is what creates the environment for this global governance and they, everybody I believe just says alright now we got to change everything that we're doing we need the elite of the elite taking over here and so and here's what I'll say real quick on the COVID-19 just a side comment <sighs> probably the biggest surprise of this has been how incredibly easily. You know, again, I'm not saying right or wrong on how the rea- how the reaction or not, but how incredibly easily people have surrendered their rights for the sake of, of safety and security. Just, I'll just leave it there because, like I said, I don't know what would have happened had businesses and schools and things stayed open. But you just, if you, if I would have told you a month ago that a month from now you would be. All but ordered not to leave your house. All but ordered not to go to work. You're ordered not to go to work. Or you're ordered not to go to school. You can't travel. The borders are closed. You would have told me I was insane. And so it just shows you how quickly government, not both ways, government wants, a lot of people in government want to have control, as we know. And there are some that don't. I praise the Lord that I don't believe Trump wants to have some kind of a. Take over the nation. He's resisting national quarantines. He's resisting uh, national curfews and martial law and things like that. Because he's a capitalist. He's not a socialist. He doesn't want ever the government to have control over everything. Um, but it's just amazing So you have that side come. You know, a lot of government wants the authority and people. Quite frankly, they'll surrender their freedom if it believes, if if it, if they think it'll, it'll protect them. And that's just something I didn't see how quickly that could occur The people just aren't even you know I'm not, I'm not saying people should resist that's not my point but my point is is that it's just i find it incredible how it's just assumed now yeah of course you can just shut her in. of course you can tell me i can't go away of course you can't you have that right because of a uh a virus that is not as deadly as ones we've had in the past and i'm not going to get into that detail right now but that's for another show but the culminating birth pain will be the rapture of the church, and that will create an environment where people will be willing to surrender just about everything because everything will be out of control. And, and that's what will bring it to the position where you have, like I said, I believe based on these verses and, and elsewhere, at the beginning formation, before the Antichrist takes complete control, is you will, have this, you will have a ruling body of 10 people. And like I said, I don't know exactly... These will be current political leaders, prior blend, you know, bring in a businessman. I don't know. I tend to think they're they're political people with experience. And but the Antichrist is one of them, as we see. And so it appears from scripture that there's it begins with this ten. Again, you know, I'm thinking they come out of the United Nations, ten ruleable areas, and he's one of them. And yet. It it, and it doesn't take much time because they these these ten have um, I don't know exactly where the verse is but it says they have that they, uh, they just rule for one hour very brief time period um, and. The exact timing of that, how that works itself out to where it goes from a, a ruling governing authority of ten people ultimately to one is hard to know specifically time-wise. Um, but it's a brief thing. Um, but also it appears that he's one of the ten, and then there's three of them that are knocked off. Okay, Now, I don't know exactly how they're knocked off, but it, it seems to be that be a, you know these people are killed, that three of the ten are killed and by somehow by the Antichrist. And, um, but here's the thing that ultimately gets him into him being the one person. And this is where it gets supernatural again, And but it's the biblical discussion here, and we'll probably go into a little more detail on the next podcast about this, is that at the midpoint of the tribulation period, or prior to that, or immediately prior to that, that... The Antichrist appears to be killed, or possibly is killed, and he is either really resurrected to life, or, what, or he is, like I said, it's a deception. He appears to be killed, and then it, he convinces people, at least, that he's resurrected from the dead. Of course, that is a mockery of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so it's probably one of the motives there. And I've I've asked many people about this. Do you believe that the the death and resurrection of the antichrist is real? Did God does God grant Satan power to actually do this? Does God only God has creative power? Only God can truly resurrect. And so that's why I tend to lean towards it's a deception because that's how Satan rules. That's how Satan works. Is he's always deceptive. And so, I, I, my opinion, it appears that the Antichrist is, is killed. And then it appears that he is resurrected. But people believe it. There's the point. People believe that. And that, they so they believe they have now a man in current history. Okay, now we all know that truly the only man to ever die and be permanently raised from the dead is Jesus Christ, because he is also the one true God. But that was, we have, nobody sees that. Nobody saw that that currently is alive right now. We receive that by faith. That's how you become saved is by believing that by faith. But now, they, in, this, in this tribulation period, it appears at least, and people believe that we have a man who was raised from the dead. And that, that causes the people of the world, including these ten who give, him, give the Antichrist his authority, to say, okay, we've got a guy here who just got raised from the dead, I think he should be in charge. And So I think there's the there's the turning point where he becomes the one rule world, you know, the one guy, the one person who rules the world. And so there, that's the issue I want to deal with on this first podcast, is you go from this ten people to this one, and, and again, believing it starts in the United Nations, works itself out in a reasonable short amount of time, but I think the turning point is that that whoever, the, anti, who he's, the Antichrist is one of the ten, and it appears before he actually becomes the one that he takes out three somehow. I don't know how that occurs. And so there's down to seven, and then ultimately he is the one who takes over all of it. Nobody else. They're all subject to him. And is it possible that even in the beginning of that, when there's a ten-person coalition, that he is in a sense, already elevated above the other nine, possibly. But it, it appears to me that it begins with ten with equal authority, and then they ultimately quickly give him all the, giving them, giving the Antichrist the all the authority to rule the entire world. No more, you know, regions of this guy rules this region, this guy rules this region, this guy rules this region. But the Antichrist rules the entire world. Again, the the, the reason people will. Will hand this to him with with gladness is because they believe that he was killed and resurrected from the dead, and so he becomes the savior, quote unquote, of the world. And um, and, and of course, we'll deal later on in another podcast on how some more details of exactly that. But I, I will say this real quick before I close: is that I believe. The Antichrist, obviously, is indwelled, will be indwelled. He's not indwelled right now by Satan. Satan is still, and we're going to deal with this next time, he's still running about destroying people. He's not. I don't believe he's permanently indwelling somebody right now. Now he Does he come in and out of people? I don't know. But he will be. Now, I'm not talking about a demon. I'm not talking about demons. I'm not talking about the highest, you know, a powerful demon. Or I'm talking about Lucifer himself the, the the ruler of the demons he personally will indwell the Antichrist and now does that does that occur at the fake death and resurrection or that maybe even possible like I said I haven't completely ruled out it it's a real death it's a real resurrection God grants Satan the power to indwell this person and raise him up and that's when this guy gets uh, obviously incredibly uh, hateful and evil and powerful and boastful and blaspheming, and and so it appears uh, that he is indwelled at this point, this particular point, when he takes control, and, and people, like I said, whether it's a deception or not, people believe that he was killed and resurrected, and he ends up taking over ultimately all the world during this tribulation period. So the point I'm saying here is that very if we're close, it is my opinion that the United Nations will be the origin of these ten And the antichrist will be one of them and then ultimately over a brief amount of time whether that be beginning of the tribulation period or towards the middle of it he will be granted all the authority over all the earth so this is what i've said to people and i'll say again that that in in light of current conditions that no we are not in the tribulation period we are we are not in the biblical end times i believe we're in the birth pangs immediately preceding that what begins the tribulation period is a seven-year peace agreement made with, and I didn't mention that too much, but either the, either the ten makes that agreement or, or is it possible that the Antichrist already has power before that agreement is made. But he's definitely part of the, the people making the deal. So that's my opinion. Probably the ten make a deal, and then that includes a big part with Israel. There's a peace agreement made with Israel. Israel's the focal point of the tribulation period. And so um, so the seven year peace agreement is what trig is that, that's what begins the tribulation period. So we're not in the tribulation period no matter what anybody tells you nobody the Christ the book of revelation the seals are not being broken the trumpets are not being blown the bowls are not being poured out none of that's happening right now. That's all that all begins with the seven year peace agreement. What we're likely experiencing now is the birth pangs leading up to the tribulation period. And so, and then when I believe, and we will, the rapture is before the tribulation period in my opinion. Like I said, I'll deal with that on another show, but but here I would say that that if you see a seven year peace agreement and you're here on this planet, then that should immediately ring humongous bells in your mind that that's what scripture teaches. And and if that should, you know, again, I understand that God has to open a heart for somebody to genuinely be saved. But if you see a seven-year peace agreement made with Israel by a group of ten or by one, you should immediately know that is actual scripture living itself out. It is that was pre-written a long time ago. Obviously, why? Because God wrote it. He inspired the Apostle John and other prophets like Daniel. And not only does God know the future, He has He has ordained it. He He governs it. He has planned it. So this is. Not just like he saw it coming, he's governing and he's carrying these things along. And so, the idea of the seed I want to plant is: a, if there's also, it appears to me, in my opinion, there's going to be a 10-coalition group of world leaders who likely will come out of the United Nations to begin to rule the world. So that's another indicator. If you see that, understand that we're likely, either, we're very likely. Either directly preceding the tribulation period or in the tribulation period. So here's my just summary there. I would say rapture. Very, and that's another point I'll make real quick. Is the rapture does not begin the tribulation period. Some people are confused about that. The rapture, the the catching up of believers, whether that's them disappearing if it's so fast of a powerful thrust up that it looks like a disappearance, or whether you actually see people go up. There will, be, you know, that the rapture would precede the tribulation period. Now, there will be a time period between the rapture and the tribulation period, unless, like I said, I doubt this will happen, but unless the rapture happens on the day of the peace agreement, then you would have pretty much the beginning of tribulation. But, but again, the rapture doesn't begin the tribulation period. The seven-year peace agreement begins the tribulation period. And there's, in my opinion, there will be the rapture and probably... Not very much time between the rapture and the peace agreement. It will create an environment that will call for world peace, and my guess would be months at the most. Months at the most, and then you'd have this. But so you, but you possibly could have uh, the ten, the ten world leaders join uh, create this coalition before the tribulation actually begins. Because in order for if they if they are the ones who make the agreement, then they would have to form that coalition before the agreement happens and then that would mean that they would be they would create that coalition before the tribulation period because again the tribulation does not period begin until that agreement is signed as an, as an official agreement that starts the clock on uh, the tribulation period which approximately seven years later will be the return of Christ and that will be a time that you do not want to be here for and so that's why I'll close with a gospel presentation Um, I'm planting seeds to hope that if, for whatever reason, you have not been saved, that you would hear something about this and you'd be able to recognize that a Christian person reading Scripture understanding Scripture said in advance what could possibly be taking place here. But you can be saved now because you wouldn't want to be, if you have an option you have your Because you don't know if you, you could die tomorrow. I'm mean, obviously with the COVID 19 and all those other things going on, we're not guaranteed tomorrow. And so the day of salvation is today for everybody. So I'm just planting seeds for future opportunities. But today is the day of salvation. And so the gospel I preach, you know, it's the biblical gospel, is that one day we'll all face the one true and living holy God. And you need to have your sins forgiven and be reconciled to Him before that occurs. That only happens biblically. Through confessing your sinfulness from your heart to God it's called repentance it's a brokenness over your sin and believing who Jesus Christ is that he's God and trusting only you have to believe that he's God Jesus Christ the man Jesus Christ that he's also he's truly man he was born into this world but he also pre-existed his birth he was he's the eternal son of God and he is also the one true God so he's truly man and truly God you have to believe that. Um, And you trust only in his redemptive work for your salvation. So you you cast aside all of your works, any of your ceremonial works, like, well, I've been baptized, well, I go to church, well, I do this, or just I'm a good person, I don't murder, I don't do this, I'm not as bad as Hitler. You have to throw all that out because the biblical truth is one sin will damn you. God is so holy that one willful sin will damn you. And, of course, that's one is ridiculous to say anybody's ever sinned one time all all unbelievers all we ever have done before anybody becomes saved is sin even the good works that a person does they do for their own glory which is pride which is sinful so it's just sin 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 as an unbeliever and uh and so there's um, the biblical gospel the law of god is meant to crush your hopes it's not meant to say hey look here's ten commandments Keep them and you'll live. No. The the purpose of the primary the primary purpose of the law is to crush your hope. To say, yes, if you want to be right with God, you keep these ten perfectly, not only in your actions, but in your heart. So there's the the law is biblically called the, the ministry of death. It is it is meant to bring you to an end to yourself. Because anybody who looks at the law of God and looks at their own life will see a massive difference between the two. And so that's what repentance is, is just saying, okay, I'm hopeless, I'm damnable, I should be damned. It's that, it's that minute, it's that moment where you realize, okay, I'm in trouble before a holy God. Because you are, whether you come to that conclusion or not. But coming to that conclusion by the power of God in your heart is what repentance is. you got to just say, all right, I'm hopeless. And then you tr- trust in who Christ is, and that leads you to trusting in his redemptive works. So you're, you're casting out all your works. You're saying, i got nothing, because you don't have anything a lot of people think they have well i'm going to be okay with god because you know i've done this this and this i've given this much money i've done this much charity you have to cast all that out because it's worthless to you for your salvation then you trust in christ's perfect work and here's his redemptive work a lot of people don't understand what the gospel is is that you put your your entire hope and faith in the work of christ his his work is his perfect life he lived without sin He died on a cross for the sins of sinners. Almost everybody, Christian or none, has understood that that's what has been taught. And, you know, what he did there was he was treated as if he committed the sins of those who had and would believe in him. So he actually endured eternal hells for people. And so that's why you want to trust in his work, because he has experienced the judgment that we all deserve. And, of course, his resurrection justified it. Is the Son. He is the Son of God, and His work was validated by God the Father. And so there's there's the gospel, is that you, you believe that Jesus is God, and you trust in His atoning work alone. And again, the repentant heart, you always, a lot of people hear repentance. Repentance, well, that means i got to stop sinning to be saved. That means i got to obey the law to be saved. No, that's not what that means. Repentance is a, is a brokenness over your sin. It's not a saying, oh, I can keep the law. Or I need to keep the law. Or I even need to stop sinning. Because that's not possible. You cannot stop sinning to be saved. That's an impossibility. You have to say, I've got no hope to stop sinning. And you put all of your hope in Christ. Big difference there. And if you genuinely do this, if you genuinely believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you'll be covered by the righteousness of Christ. And He will be, He like we talked about, He will have been treated as if He committed all of your past, present, and future sins. And if you refuse the offer of the gospel of Jesus Christ, you will be eternally condemned for your unforgiven sins because like I said, you will be judged according to your works if you are not saved by faith in Christ. And you will get what you know, self-righteous people, if they die without Christ, they will get exactly what they want. They will want to they want to be evaluated according to how they've done, how they've lived. And that's what a self-righteous person will do. And, the, and God grants that to people who die in their sins. And, but the bad thing about that, like I said, is one sin will damn you, and, the, and it'll be too late for them then when they get to the white throne judgment and realize how vile they are. Even their good works are vile, and they'll be condemned. Just like the Pharisees were self-righteous. And, and, uh, and so you want to deny self-righteousness. Deny yourself. Come after Christ. Believe on Him. He is a perfect Savior. He not only does he, he save you from all your sins, grants you His His perfect sinless obedience. But he also He helps you now. He His Spirit indwells you. The Holy Spirit indwells you at true conversion, and, and uh, it doesn't promise you good life and money and all that prosperity gospel garbage. Yeah, but it does. It gives you joy now. You you know Him. You know a lot of people will ask often, "Well, how do you how do you know? You just." It's just your opinion, and I have my opinion. And I try and tell them humbly that, no, I'll just, I know you can't experience this or believe this based upon my testimony, but the truth is, when you genuinely come to faith in Christ, it is no longer a mystery, because the Spirit of God creates that faith in you, and He indwells you. And you know it. It's an irrefutable fact for the rest of your life that Jesus Christ is Lord, the Scriptures are true, because the Spirit who inspired the Scriptures is now indwelling within you. And so it's no longer a guessing game or, well, I think I got Christ or anything else. You genuinely know that the one true God is the triune God of the Bible. So I hope this has been helpful. Like I said, I'm planning on doing maybe a couple more of just, you know, again, I typically have shied away from from speculation about end times and things like that, but I think we're close enough. And I think I've got uh, some biblical foundation there. And just trying to plant some seeds, aside from, obviously, the importance, the primary importance of the gospel that was just preached. So stay tuned, and like I said, I don't know how often I'll be doing these, but I'll be dealing with eschatology for a while. And Because uh, look at the world. How could we not be close? So thank you for tuning in, and God bless you.